integration speaks to that as well. Like I'm going to integrate my past. I'm going to integrate the learning from this experience. I'm going to integrate even the painful stuff. I'm going to integrate it into a whole life rather than having to cut it off in order to deal with myself, you know? Hello, and welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, founder of the Transforming Center, and in this season, I am glad to be back with my conversation partner, Steve Weens, Senior Pastor of Genesis in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alum, which means we've spent time laughing, growing, and transforming in the presence of Christ in community with other leaders. This season, we're walking through Invitation to a Journey by Robert Mulholland. It's part of the Transforming Resources collection published by InterVarsity Press. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we invite you to become a monthly patron of the podcast. Just visit transformingcenter.org patron to sign up and learn more. We thank you so much for your monthly support at any level. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Ruth, welcome back uh, to episode two, uh, the roadmap part two. And what we did in the first episode is we basically summarized the book, Invitation to a Journey, but then we really started to get into Mulholland's beautiful definition of spiritual formation or transformation, a process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. And we talked a lot about the process and about being formed, but let's move on to this idea of the image of Christ. What is Mulholland getting at? when he throws out this really kind of big phrase. There's a lot mm-hmm. to unpack here. There really is. And I think that he's coming back and continuing to define it all the way throughout the book yeah. um, because there's so much to be said about it. And I think a lot of times we sort of make that whole idea of being like Christ in its most shallow form, you know, with things like what would Jesus do? And, um, <laughs> and, and not, I mean, that is a, it, it, that is a, a worthy question if it's, if it's, if you take it far enough, if you take it deep enough, because you can, you know, answer that question in a kind of surface way. But um, right here at the beginning, he talks about the image of Christ as being the fulfillment of the deepest dynamics of our being. Um, I really love that because it's, I think that this is where the, the nuance of spiritual formation comes in because we're not, actually trying to be like Christ as much as we are trying to let Christ's spirit and nature take up residence in us and live the Christ life in and through us, through our unique personalities, through our unique life situation, in the time and place that we're in. It's it's a much more organic than just copying somebody, you know? Right, like when I'm trying right. to be like somebody, I'm just copying them, but I'm not changing. You know, and I just think this is so important that this is the formation of Christ in the depths of our being is much more like the Apostle Paul talked about where he talked about the embryo, you know, mm. in its mother's womb or the caterpillar who goes into the cocoon and emerges as as a different kind of being, but still with their basic DNA. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So the person of Christ is being formed in us and then the person, the nature, the spirit of God is being Jesus is being lived out uniquely in each one of our lives through the personality that we've been given and in the life situation that we're in and in the time and place that we're in. So there's a uniqueness 
to the way in which the, the, the Christ life is lived in and through each and every one of us. And so I think that's what Mulholland is trying to get into in all sorts of different ways throughout this book, is that there's, there's going to be an individuality to how each one of us is conformed and how, how the Christ life lives itself and expresses itself in and through each and every one of us. I like that, and it makes me think of the body of Christ as we think about the community of faith globally. You know, that that the foot can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, and things like that, that, that it speaks to, there's a, there's a community level to this question of the image of Christ, that it takes all of us to actually fill out the image of Christ, but there's also this incredible uniqueness uh, to being formed in the image of Christ that that my deepest essence will be uh, revealed more and more as I'm formed into Christ's image. And that is so compelling to me. Like there is a me that is underneath all my ego and all my control issues that is the truest me that will emerge more and more. That That's beautiful to me. Right. And, you know, David Benner will talk in terms of the true self as being the Christ in me self or the mm -hmm. Christ in you self as mm -hmm. I am being redeemed by God. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think that's a lovely way of looking at it is that the, the Christ in me self is Christ living his life in and through me. So there will be a certain uniqueness about that. And then that process of the fact that I am, while I'm still on this earth, always in a process of being redeemed yep. from my false self patterns and from my bondage to my false self patterns. So the true self is the Christ in me self as it is being redeemed um, over time until I see Jesus face to face. That process is never complete while I'm on this earth. So in the Transforming Center, we never use the word transformed, right. except to talk about a person who has seen Jesus face to face after death and is now fully transformed. Up until that point, we are transforming. We are not fully transformed until we see Jesus face to face. And that's pretty important as well. None of us should think that we are finally transformed while we're here on this earth. It's always a process until we see Jesus face to face. And it's a process that has a certain individuality to it. Um, so that's one aspect, I think, of, of his way of talking about Christ being formed in us is that there will, we will not lose our individuality. We will not lose our uniqueness in becoming like Christ. Instead, the Christ life gets lived out in and through our lives in a way that's unique in all the ways that we've mentioned. Um, I also really, really appreciate the fact that he is often talking about wholeness. Mm -hmm. He's got really good words that he uses to try to describe the image of Christ. And so he says, the image of Christ is that which brings cleansing. So think about the places where you feel dirty. You know, mm. it brings cleansing. It brings healing. Think about the places where you feel broken. It brings restoration. You know, think yeah. about the places where we feel like things are broken beyond repair, um, renewal, transformation, and wholeness into the unclean, diseased, broken, imprisoned, dead incompleteness of our lives. It brings compassion in the place of indifference, forgiveness in the place of resentment, kindness in the place of coldness openness in a place of protective defensiveness or manipulation. Did this guy know a thing or two about the human self? <laughs> well, and again, it's just, it's such an invitation to, um, to 
a real kind of change that doesn't feel like, like you said, like copying. I've never liked that phrase, be like Jesus, or, you know, because it's always felt burdensome to me. It's always felt like a recipe for failure. And it's always felt like something that I, that I have to grit my teeth uh, to do. But if it's about bringing my brokenness into the light of healing, um, then Oh, my shoulders drop when I hear that. Um, this is a very important nuance. Uh, to well, and when you into. hear those words, everything in you wants it. Right. You know, um, everything in you leans in to say, really, could I be cleansed? Right. You know, in the dirty places. Could I be healed in the broken places? Could I be renewed in the places where I'm so tired? Could I be whole rather than fragmented? I mean... Could I be healthy rather than diseased? Uh, who doesn't want that? Right, right. That's very compelling. It's a very compelling invitation to me. And that's again, I mean, what, what strikes me as I read through this book again, is he really is masterful at carrying the metaphor of journey and invitation particularly throughout every part of the book. What does it look like to receive an invitation from God to be healed, whole, your truest self, redeemed. Um, it's, it's so yes. good. Well, and I, one of the thing, little tiny things that he does, I'm such a word person, Steve, you know that. Oh, I, know. I mean, I just can't help myself. But um, <laughs> when he talks about the word whole, which I love that word. I mean, that, that word wholeness as opposed to fragmented or fractured. Um, the word integrity, which means whole rather than, you know, it's rather than pieces. Yeah. Um, he actually gets that or uses that with the word holy, that the word holy mm. actually means whole. Yeah. Well, we think of the word holy as something utterly different than that, yeah. usually. Yeah. Um, but to think of wholeness and holiness as being of a piece. I, I love the idea that holiness is wholeness, yeah. not perfection right. or anything like that, but it's, it's wholeness. Mm. Yeah, an invitation to, to be expanded is compelling. Yeah, and know. to be a whole human being where all facets of the self are lived together as a beautiful unified whole mm. rather than just having to slice, you know, slice off parts of myself in order to be a certain kind of thing or person. Um, I think sometimes when we think about being like Christ, we think, well, I'm going to have to do something with that part and I'm going to do something, have to do something with that part. And it seems almost out of reach. But this idea of wholeness in this way, being a whole human being, um, allowing Jesus life to be lived through me through my personality and through my life situation and through my, um, the time period in which I'm living, that is somehow doable. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, God has to do it, but it's, it's, it seems more doable than trying to be something I'm fundamentally not. Yeah. And so much of good intentioned spirituality ends up at that dead end road of being someone you're not cutting off something that, you know, instead of healing it, just cutting it off, rejecting uh, that sort of dualistic spirituality around body is bad, spirit is good. There's all kinds of ways that that flows in. And so I'm so glad that Mulholland is so careful with his words. And I love that connection between 
Holiness is wholeness. Mm-hmm. And the word integration, where to, to what you just said, rather than cutting off, healing it, integration speaks to that as well. Like I'm going to integrate my past. I'm going to integrate the learning from this experience. I'm going to integrate even the painful stuff. I'm going to integrate it into a whole life rather than having to cut it off in order to deal with myself, you know? And yeah. that's what integrated means is I integrate all aspects of how God has created me and who I am and what my experiences have been. And I come to terms, I come to peace. I integrate it as part of my, the wholeness of my experience in, in God and under God's guidance, you know? Well, it's very incarnational theology, you know, that it's right here. Our, 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 our foibles, our, our weaknesses, our, our, humanity is in on full display when we're with God and when we're with each other. Right. And so I think, you know, I can tend to think I have to chop something off in order to be presentable to others as well, you know, and so I present a false self, um, instead of a growing wholeness, that's even okay with saying, listen, I'm, I'm a and B, but I'm missing C, D and E with you right now. And is that okay? Can I show up as I really am? Um, there's a tremendous communal aspect of when we can accept each other as is, um, and continually be pulling for each other in terms of our transformation, our continual transformation is beautiful. One of the things that I have really appreciated, well, I've appreciated so many things, but about his definition and work with the idea of the image of Christ, and this is a very challenging statement, but it's true. He says, the process of being conformed to the image of Christ takes place primarily at the points of our unlikeness to Christ's image. Wow, wow, wow. Um, Wow, because I think we want to think sometimes of the spiritual life as being about the warm fuzzies. Mm-hmm. The warm, fuzzy experience I have with God in devotional life, the warm, fuzzy mm-hmm. experience I have when I worship at church, you know, the warm, fuzzy experience I have when I feel good about myself on a given day, yeah. <laughs> which are all great. But that the, the, the real journey is taking place primarily at the points of our unlikeness to Christ's image. So Christ is present to us in the most destructive aspects of our cultural captivity. I think many of us think that God is just absent oh, in yeah. those moments. Yeah. You know, like God can't be here. This is so destructive. God can't possibly be here. But he's saying that God is present to us because that's where our journey is. Yeah. At the places of our most destructive cultural captivities, God is involved with us in the most imprisoning bondage of our brokenness. Oof. We think that God's not there. We think, oh, this is so shameful. This is so embarrassing. God can't possibly be here. God meets us in those places of our lives that are most alienated from God. God is there in grace, offering us forgiveness, cleansing, liberation, and the healing that we need. And he points out the fact that it's uncomfortable to open up to God in those places, that we would rather over-spiritualize things and be with God in the comfortable ways, Mm. rather than opening up to God's transforming work in the place that we know is kind of off. But we just don't want to, we don't want to open that up. We don't want to acknowledge it. We don't even think God can meet us there. But Mulholland is saying over and over and over again, that is where God meets us. That's where the journey is unfolding. That's where the journey is taking place. So if we live in any way in, in, that is full of avoidance or denial of these places of our lives, we're actually missing the journey. Yes. Isn't that something? No, it really is. And, and you said denial. I mean, it's so easy to either 
just shame wash, just, just feel so terribly about ourselves and our sin that we don't really enter into Christ's healing uh, potential, but also we, we can, the other option is to deny it, you know, and just say, nope, I'm, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to face it. Um, but this yielding kind of, what was the phrase that we ended last uh, episode with? Um, open and patient, open-ended yieldedness. Patient, open-ended yieldedness, even with my darkness, even mm-hmm. with my sin. Exactly. You know, um, boy, that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. That's a real challenge to yeah. not fall off into utter, utter shame mm-hmm. or denial, but to yes. sit with that. And theologically, Bob defines this place as our cross, which I just think is so interesting. You think of your cross as being some really hard person that you have to deal with or something, some physical limitation that you have. This is my cross and I have to bear it. But he says, hold on to your hats, Mm -hmm. that our cross is the point of our unlikeness to the image of Christ. Oof. where we must die to self in order to be raised by God into the wholeness of life in the image of Christ, right there at that point. Yeah. I mean, I rarely think of that as being my cross. I think of my cross as something kind of out there. Mm-hmm. I don't think my cross as being the place where I'm not like Christ and I'm needing to open that to, to, to Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm needing to die to self and open it to the transformational journey. And to me, that has redefined that the meaning of that verse, take up your cross and follow me. Mm-hmm. It's not take up that cantankerous person and mm-hmm, follow me. Mm-hmm. It's not take up that thing that's going wrong in your body that you're so discouraged about and mm-hmm. follow me. No, it's take up that place where you know you're not like Christ and follow me in that place. Wow. 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 I mean, that just changes the whole meaning of that verse. It really does. And it, once again, it <laughs> forces, or not forces, it, it invites us to not look way out there into the world mm-hmm. and the world's problems, solving the world's problems. It's... It's just, here I am again. <laughs> yes. And and then what do we do in that place? And yeah. this is where he, I, I just think that what he offers us in that place is, is so important that it's this dynamic of consecration, which is a really old-fashioned word, really old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but he defines it. It's a release of ourselves to God at each point of our unlikeness to Christ. Mm. Now that that makes that word a good word mm. in my life. Mm. When I'm aware of a place where I'm not like Christ and where I am in bondage, I consecrate myself. I say yes to God in that place. Mm-hmm. And I surrender to what God wants to do in my life. I surrender to the nature of Christ, mm. you know, within me. And that's how the transformational journey moves forward. Is that in that place of surrender, the consecration of that place mm. to God. So Ruth, we we're all, we're always trying to get as practical as we can about these really great heady theological concepts. So, talk to me a little bit about how this is playing out in your life these days. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the interesting places for me, and it's really surprising, um, has to do with the death of my parents. Um, I lost my dad just you know almost just a month ago, or a little bit more than a month ago, and then. Within the last two years, I've I lost my mom as well, and you know to have both of your parents pass from the scene is one of the more significant passages for a person. Yeah. Um, you know, all of a sudden you're the oldest one on the scene. Mm. You know, you don't have the people that care about you like parents do. Mm. All the patterns and rhythms that you had with them, you you almost do it, and then you realize, oh no, they're not there. You know. Yeah. Um, 
So th this is just a part of my journey right now. But what I've been surprised by is that this whole idea and reality and truth of transformation has been one of the most comforting truths for me because, um, you know, as children of parents, we're aware of the good and wonderful things about our parents, but we're also painfully aware of the non-transformed parts as well. And yep. we may have lived painful things mm -hmm. that happened um, as a result of the ways in which our parents weren't perfect and things like that. You see your parents' pains, you see their unresolved pains. Yep. And um, that's no different for me and my family. And so the idea and the truth that as my parents see Jesus face to face and, and come into the next life, that they are their transformed selves. And that's the only time I use the, the full transformed word um, is for people who have died and have gone on to meet Jesus face to face, which is the time when we will be fully transformed. And almost right away when my mom died, I began to sense her presence in her transformed self, which I could somehow see more clearly after her death. Um, not as far along in that journey with my dad yet, but it was so much joy to me because I saw the ways that she was in bondage and yeah. um, a deeply Christian person, deeply, deeply Christian who longed to go to heaven and to be with Jesus and, and my dad the same, but I also saw some of the bondages too. Mm -hmm. And to imagine and to see her and to feel her as her transformed self and to have her present with me as her transformed self, to be able to envision it mm. and to know it and to know that it's true and to begin interacting with her more in her transformed self. And I hope I'm not going too far out there theologically, but we, you know, we know our souls go on oh, beyond sure. the burial of the body. And so why wouldn't we be able to sense them like Jesus' spirit is with us and can be known and sensed? Um, and it's the same, you know, I'm earlier in the process as it has to do with my dad, but this idea now that the two of them together are relating to one another yeah. as transformed beings. And, and I just, I imagine them sitting and talking and um, being their best selves with each other as well. Man, I tell you, Steve, it's just one of the best things yeah. that's ever happened for me um, is to, to know in a deeper way than ever that, that this transformation is the end game of our salvation. I mean, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. what we are invited to when we come to know Christ. We are invited to spiritual transformation. And that, that process, we struggle with it here on this earth, but it's culminated when we see Jesus face to face. And then our eternal existence is an eternal existence as transformed persons, which we can only begin to imagine. I have no idea, but I do know it's blessing me. I know that that truth is blessing me right now as it has to do with my parents. Mm. Well, it makes me think of a couple things. One is uh, Ron Rollheiser's thought on your final, the final gift that your parents give you is their death. Um, and I think you explained that so exquisitely right there, why that's true. And then, and then the second thing um, for me on that is that it brings hope because this process that we talk about healing and God's grace is, is really, really good. And it's also, it's hard. <laughs> You know, like to continue. And so this hope that there will be a day in eternity when we are transformed, when we see things clearly, when we see Christ clearly and we're with Christ perfectly, that that's not cheesy to me. That brings a lot of hope to me.
Well, and it goes right back to the first phrase that we talked about in this episode, where Mulholland talks about the image of Christ as the fulfillment of the deepest dynamics of our being. Mm. That's what I'm talking about, is that, you know, my parents and others who have gone before, they are living now in the fulfillment of the deepest dynamics of their being. Mm -hmm. That is great joy for them and for us who love them. Um, and it's great hope for us because um, it's not easy. And the truth is we are limited, that while we're here on this earth, we will be limited in terms of our humanity and how much transformation we experience. There will always be a limit yeah. while we're here on this earth. And that's just the truth of it. But in heaven, there is no limit to the level of transformation we get to experience. Mm. Amen to that. Thanks for bringing that up about your parents. That was, um, thank you for that. I know that's very fresh. Um, so thanks for going there. I really appreciate that. Um, I wonder, sort of wrapping up the episode with this huge idea that you even mentioned was probably his next work that he wasn't really able to, to do because of his untimely death through cancer, but for the sake of others. Um, sometimes people see the goal of spiritual transformation as just navel gazing and self-improvement. And you would, I know you strongly disagree with that as well as Mulholland. Could you unpack this phrase for us a little bit more for the sake of others? Well, it's powerful because for one thing, it just shatters this dualism that you and I have talked about so many times as we have our conversations that somehow within the Christian community, a, a false dichotomy got created between being and doing. Right. And there was this fear that if people got too involved in transformation and discipleship, that then they wouldn't care about the needs of the world and they would be self-focused, self self-absorbed. So Bob Mulholland's very definition of spiritual formation just shatters the dualism in the best possible kind of way because our transformation is it's a beautiful good in our own lives. It's glorifying to God just as it is. And then at the same time, it is for the sake of others. And it's just that sometimes we've, you know, different traditions emphasize one part or the other. But the truth is our spiritual formation is this gorgeous whole where the transformation of a person glorifies God, gives, creates abundance for that person, as well as bringing goodness to the world. And his definition just, he, it holds it all together. It brings it all together rather than allowing us to make a false bifurcation out of these elements of the spiritual life, because they do really belong together. And his definition brings them together in a beautiful whole. And, um, and he, he begins his chapter very much talking about the fact that the New Testament writers regularly talk about love for neighbor as the essence of the Christian life. So they're, they're just, we just simply cannot bifurcate these two. There's the formation of Christ in us, but if that formation is truly Christ within us, then love for neighbor, love for the world that God loves so much that he gave his only son for it, that love will be part of what's formed in us. And if it's not, then it's not Christian formation. Right. It's not the heart of Christ being formed in you. If there's not a love for neighbor and a love for the world that's developing within you, that is an outcome of our spiritual formation. Hmm. Yeah, and it seems obvious when you say it like that, and we both know that that the bifurcation happens all the time. And maybe someone is robust in what they believe and poor in loving others, and there's work to do there, right? And when that's true about my own life, there's work there, and about anyone's life. Ugh. 
So, you know, he, he really puts it in perspective, um, and he doesn't use the language of cruciformity much in this book. I think he might use it once towards the end, but um, in his teachings with us here in the Transforming Center, it, it's really about cruciformity, cruciform love, love that is in a cruciform shape. Um, and so he says that, that in this definition of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others, that we have to reflect on what that image really is. And he said, it is the image of one who gave himself totally, completely, absolutely, and unconditionally for others. Wow. Mm. I mean, so what, what he is saying is, if the image of Christ is being formed in us, it's going to be like that. Right. The image of one who gave himself totally, completely, absolutely, unconditionally for others. When do we do that? Mm. You know, when I look at those words, I'm like, well, you know, that's very rarely <laughs> really the, the shape of my life, uh, the shape of my love, the shape of my heart, you know. Um, so it's very challenging. This is a very challenging part of the definition because it's not just about getting out there and making a difference in the world. I even hear this as being a little bit different than making a difference in the world, which sometimes is kind of self-serving in its own way. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I'm going to be the one who gets out there and makes a difference in the world. Um, but that's a little bit different sometimes than giving oneself totally, completely, absolutely, and unconditionally for others. And sometimes the others are not the others that would get a whole lot of television camera coverage if we were yeah. to be out there doing it. It's my spouse, yep. it's my children, oh, yeah. it's my actual neighbor next door who's having a trouble. Um, that's the, those are the people that I am giving myself to. Whew, I tell you, um, I don't think we always get that as part of our formation. No, and I really think what you just said is so important. It's like we can think about others in terms of the person that is that is in front of me right now, you know, my spouse, my child, my, um, I think about even, you know, growing up, Mr. Rogers was seen as when I was growing up as kind of a nerdy, you know, guy and no one really, but, but now that we really look at his life through his film, the film that was just put out and, and other books, we see that he knew how to do that, you know, um, and he always did it in a very simple, beautiful way. You know, the children did that with people of color um, way, way, way before it was, you know, woke or whatever. He, he knew how to do that. Um, well, the thing about him, too, and I'm really glad you brought him up because I don't know about you, but I just I just cried in the documentary. Oh, yeah. And I thought I don't cry in documentaries usually, but I mean, it moved me in a place I didn't even have words for. Um, and I'm talking about the documentary right yeah, now, not just, not the, not the, the, yeah, the film that just came out was great mm -hmm. too, but the documentary well, is what moved me. And I realized that part of what moved me was the fact that he was his authentic, and it was a very authentic kind of self that he was. Oh, yeah. His, his personality and his way and his, his beliefs about children mm -hmm. and all of that were very much a part of his unique self. So when yes. you see him, you see his unique Christ in you self doing this unique thing out of his uniqueness. It's not like anything anybody else could have ever done right. or brought to the planet. And I think that's what moves me is that we so rarely see someone who is so authentically themselves for the sake of others and doesn't give up on that, right. doesn't give up on the authentic self because his authentic self is shining through all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm. It's so moving because you just don't see it very often. No. You know, one of the scenes that they did not show in that movie, which I wish they had, um, 
was where he was on The Tonight Show and Johnny Carson was out. And so um, Joan Crawford was was the interviewer. And it's Joan, right? Yeah. Joan Crawford, yeah. yeah. And he at one point, you know, she's all she's all full of bravado mm-hmm. and cynicism. Mm-hmm. She doesn't, she doesn't, she's never met a person like him in her life. Yeah. And you can tell she's all discombobulated because of his authenticity. But then he actually sings to her. Oh. It's you. I like, it's not the clothes you wear. Yes. It's not the things you do. It's you. I like she, she, he sang it right yeah. into her eyes and into her face and she could not take no. it. She literally, th- she literally pulled her sweater up over her head mm-hmm. because she couldn't take that kind of authenticity, that kind of authentic love. Oh, yes. it's so powerful yes. when it happens. Yes. And what a great example of someone who just, um, you know, unabashedly himself and unreservedly loving. Yes. And Ugh. just laid it all down. He just laid it mm-hmm. all down right there for her. She couldn't even take it, you know? No. But that's a good point. Like in the face of such simple, vulnerable love, it's very threatening. I mean, it threatens every defense that you... Mm-hmm. It's disarming it in the best sense of that word. Yeah. You know, yeah, It's uncomfortable. I mean, that's where the film, not to get too much, but the film does a good job of the reporter who follows him, the, 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 the struggle he has with, with receiving. It's, it's powerful. And not being cynical, because you know, he's cynical for so long, yeah. not believing that anybody could be that authentic. Right. Um, and I just love the fact that he was a minister of the gospel. He did everything oh, yeah. that he did out of a deep kind of spirituality, not a humanistic, Mm-mm. you know, I'm doing this out of my own human strength, but out of his gospel call. Yeah. And let's not miss that. You know, it was out of his gospel call. It was out of who he was as a minister of the gospel. Yeah, he was commissioned by the Presbyterian Church yeah. to be an evangelist in the film, in the TV, you know, like, I don't, I, that's the other thing. I mean, I would, like, how did that idea get passed by the board of whoever you know like i love that it did uh because it it speaks to the creative ways that we can all live out our calling in the world oh well ruth we we covered a lot of ground it's funny because we before we press record i was worried that we wouldn't have enough content (laughs) for this Mm. episode you and i steve always have enough content come on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we know how to we know, Ooh, how to, we do. We know how to do it it's so <laughs> fun um but i do wonder if you have uh, one of his prayers that you would read to close out the episode absolutely so let's take a moment to breathe deeply feel your body right now and just feel its desire to open to the transforming presence of god feet flat on the floor shoulders back back straight Maybe hands open in a receptive posture on your lap. Take a couple deep breaths just to clear out all the debris so that this prayer can come in cleanly to our hearts and to our souls. Gracious God, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, deliver me, I pray, from the easy habit of thinking that my spirituality is something between you and me alone. It is so difficult to accept the idea that my spiritual wholeness cannot be attained outside of my life with others. Help me to open my heart and spirit to what what you want to do within me. Help me to commit my relationships to you, that they may become channels of your grace in my life 
and that I may become a channel of your grace for others. Amen. Amen. On behalf of Ruth and the entire Transforming Center staff, thank you so much for listening. We're currently accepting applications for our next Transforming Community Spiritual Formation Experience for Christian Leaders. You can learn more by visiting transformingcenter.org slash TC. This podcast is a ministry of the Transforming Center and is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. If you've enjoyed Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast, please leave us a review and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen. You can also become a partner of the podcast and get exclusive benefits by visiting transformingcenter.org slash patron. Thanks so much for your support and for listening to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership.